Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. Ek was my darling bearspring and I met jylle deel vanochtend. Um, dit is a woord wat, is a story wat op my hart is laaste ruk. Sikker is die laaste drie weke. En daar vir duidelik wiekie daar wat, wat ek persoonlijk daar beheer gaan in een sekere sin. Um, maar ek hoop dat dit is iets wat ook vir julle ook iets sal beteken in, in hierdie tyd. Um, dit is maar net goed wat julle met my praat en, en uh, ons het uh, ons het net een verwachting dat julle woon natuurlijk goed gaan kom doen in, in, in ons leven soos altyd. En, um, maar toch denk ek ook hier weet die wereld is op een besonderse plek waar, waar soveel goed gebeur, soveel goed buiten ons beheer is, uh, soveel goed nie uitwerk, soos wat ons graag wil het, moet nie, um, waar beplanning nogal iets interessant geword het, uh, jy weet, so dit is, dit die facet van mense wat siek is, wat, wat obviously um, jy weet, een groot uitdaging is, en, en dat vir baie mense al hoe nader kom, um, dan is er die uitdaging met van hoe om te, die lewe te navigate in die seizoen en uh, jy weet, ek, ek denk hier als land in die wereld waar ons kan kyk op die oomlik waar dinge rarig baie vlot verloop nie, so dit is een interessante seizoen uh, vir ons allemaal skies voor ek aan, gaan ek in die ontduiding, moet ek Afrikaans of Engels? Uh, Engels, ok so these are interesting times and um, yeah, so I, I want us to open our Bibles in the book of Mark uh, chapter 10, it's a very famous story, um, and uh, we all know it, and, and, but it's just a new meaning for me in this season, uh, we're going to read from verse 46, it's the story of blind Bartimaeus, um, and it says in my translation, I'm reading from the Amplified, it says, then, then they came to Jericho, and as he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road, as was his custom. Now, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly, sternly rebuked him, telling him to keep still and be quiet, but he kept on shouting out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, telling him, take courage, get up, he's calling for you. So they called the blind man, uh, um, throwing, uh, verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabuni, let me regain my sight. Jesus said to him, go, your faith and confident trust in my power has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following Jesus on the road. Now, we all know the story, famous story, we've heard it so many times, but somehow it's just really speaking um, to my heart again in this season in ways that it's never done before. And, um, um, you know, I, I think if we should be honest, most of us, it's, it's a bit of a season where... Um, where every now and again we experience this blindness a little bit, where it's almost like, you know, we, we have a good feeling about what God is doing, we have a good feeling about what He wants to do, where He wants to take us, 
Um, you know, we, we, we had a grid of things, but yet in a great sense, there's like a bit of a blindness surrounding us in terms of how exactly, uh, you know, where is he going? What is it going to look like? What is the next step taking on? We've been on the road, but we're kind of sitting next to the road at the, at the minute, some of us, and just going, okay, but, you know, what, what's next? What, what needs to happen, uh, in this season? We're all trusting God for great things. We, we, we're looking at our nation, we're looking at the world around us, and we realize this is a massive opportunity um, to see the gospel spread and to see the kingdom expanded. Uh, and yet in the same breath, we, we, we kind of go, well, I don't know about you, but that's what I feel like. It's almost like what, what we have is not enough. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like we kind of looking at, at everything and, and um, you go, okay, well, we know Jesus is absolutely the answer. We know the kingdom is the answer. There's nothing else. There's no other solution for our nation or the nations of the world. Um, there, there's no better plan than, than Jesus. We all know that and we all agree on that. So that's not the issue, right? The issue is just what what do we do in this season? Um, what do we need uh, to step into greater works, to step into a place where revival sweeps a nation or where the transformation of hearts start happening to a greater degree. And it's, and it's almost like things are hidden in a certain way. And like I say, I hope I'm not just preaching to myself here, but hopefully it touches some of you, but it's kind of like we're just going, okay, there, there's hidden things uh, in God that, that Personally, I need to see. I, I need keys. I need uh, direction. I need to, you know, press into that next level to to see what it is that God wants to do. We've seen wonderful things, and we're grateful. But there is a transformation of hearts. There's a, you know, when lockdown began last year, the Lord spoke to me about Ezekiel 36. Uh, what is that? Verse 26 and 27, where it says that I, I'm, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to remove the heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit in you and you will have a new spirit that will fear me. And um, I read that verse and, and I just realized that the, the heart of our nation, we, we need a heart transformation in South Africa. We, we probably need one in the church as well. And um, and that's kind of what, I, what I'm feeling is, is I'm, we're looking at something, we see it and, and it's like, but... How do we get a grip on it? And I, I feel a little bit like Bartimaeus at the moment. And maybe many of us do, if we'll be honest, just saying, okay, you know, what next, Lord? How do we, how do we navigate through this thing? And, um, you know, how do we, how do we respond to, to the season in a way that's going to glorify you? Uh, maximum, like the greatest way that we can, so that, that His name will be glorified over the earth, that we'll, you know, that we'll see the goodness of God manifest, that the name of Jesus will be on the lips of people, and that their hearts will turn, you know, that, that whole thing. What is the key for us to disciple a nation, to disciple a people group? How do we, how do we press on, you know? And, and I think for me, that cry of Bartimaeus, uh, is, is the only answer. Um, is where he sits next to the road and, and he just, he heard Jesus is coming by and he's just going, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, there's almost nothing else in that old blind guy except just this cry for mercy. It's got to be the mercy of God um, that touches us, that touches a nation, 
that touches our families, that touches the current circumstances we're in. It, it, it must be mercy, and I'm, I'm more aware of my need for mercy than I've ever been, I think, in my life. I'm, I'm more aware of my need for grace than I've ever been in my life. Not because, um, not because I'm living in sin, and that's not the issue. Uh, the issue is I'm more aware that nothing that I bring to the table can solve the issue. Um, and that is the reality for all of us. Nothing that, that we bring to the table can solve the problem. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't have what it takes. We don't, uh, you know, how much, how much do you need to pray? How much do we need to fast? Well, a lot, obviously, we need to press in, we need to do those things. All of those things must be done. But the issue is, and I think we're at that place once again, where unless we start pressing on the mercy of God, Unless we are at a place where we realize, unless it's Him, so it's not my gifts, not my abilities, not my talents, not my skill set, not the number of days I fasted and prayed last year or this year or the year before, not my holiness, not nothing of me can fix the situation. Nothing of Bartimaeus could solve the issue of blindness. There's nothing there that can bring a remedy. The only thing is... Is Jesus walking by and it's a group of people just saying, God, have mercy on us because we are not hungry enough as a nation. We're not broken enough. None of those things. We're, we're none of those things, probably, you know. So unless it's the compassionate kindness and goodness of God that's going to break through into our circumstances, we're going to remain blind. Uh, we're going to remain in a place where we know there's something out there. We know there's, there's more to see. There's more to be done, but but we 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 can't do it. It's got to be the mercy and the grace of God, and and I know all of you know that. And, and like I said, maybe I'm preaching to myself this morning. I hope I'm not. But to me, it was just a reminder that it's got to be mercy. It must be grace, because if it's anything else, then we're going to go five years down the line and say, yeah, but remember, we were so hungry, we did this, we did that, and and God came through. And I don't think he wants that. I think he wants us to be at a place where we're completely surrendered, no options, no plans, no nothing, and it's just, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, because without it, we're done. Without it, we're going to remain the blind guy sitting next to the road. You know, if you don't show up, um, we're just going to be a blind guy being next to the road. And, and I love this story because... Um, you know, everybody tried to silence him. We know that. And that's exactly what's happening. Everything is trying to silence us. Everything is trying to tell us it's not going to work. Um, you know, that we are in, we're in a certain direction. We're going in a certain place. You know, your family is sick and this is what's happening. Or, you know, the circumstances are just stacked against us. And, uh, and it's kind of like it's trying to tell you to just, just shut up and just, kind of, you know, maintain the status quo and, and just be patient and one day it's going to get better and one day it will be okay. And and and, and what I love about Bartimaeus is, is his tenacity. He refused to stop crying out. Right? There, there was not a moment where he, he in fact, when, when everything pushed against him, he cried louder. And he was just crying out loud, louder. And it, it, again, it's not a cry of he deserves anything. That wasn't it. The cry was mercy. 
the, the cry was just have mercy on me, have mercy on me. If there is anything, anyone that can do it, it must be Jesus, because nothing else is going to work. And that must be us. It must be where we're at constantly. The more the pressure arises, the more we must just cry out. The more we must just say, Lord, we're done. You know, um, Romans 5.20, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more. And again, it's got nothing to do with uh, bad habits. Uh, if you have bad habits, then stop them, please. Uh, break through in that. That's not the point. I'm not talking about a, a bad habit or a sin issue in your own life. I'm talking about a world around us that desperately needs a savior, uh, circumstances around us that's a little bit rough, and we need to go, well, sin surely looks like it's abounding if you look around you. Um, so then grace must abound. And the point of grace is that sometimes we only see the power of it when we are in a space where sin is abounding. And, and our nature is to withdraw from those places and to go where, where it's easy and where the gospel is already doing its thing. While sometimes the great manifestation of the gospel is exactly where sin is abounding. That was the point. And sometimes in the difficulty, in the challenge, in the whatever it is that we're going through, to stay in that place and to not run away is actually where the power of the gospel becomes manifest. And to stay there takes faith, but the breakthrough is all about mercy. Do you understand? It, it's, it's positioning us where we say, well, we know that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So I'm not going to withdraw, I'm not going to be quiet because everything wants me to be quiet. I'm going to be there and I'm going to position myself in that place and I'm just going to say, Lord, let grace abound, have mercy on us. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Just crying out for more of Him, more of His grace, more of His goodness, just to say, Lord, come. Just come in this place and just come and heal us, come and touch us. Open our eyes that we can see again. Um, help us to, to get what we need to do in the season, to navigate it right, to move forward in the right direction, and to not stop. You know, um, Isaiah 55 is also one of those chapters that just speaks to me louder than ever. And, and I love how the, the Passion Translation does verse 1. It says, listen, that's beautiful. It says, listen, are you hungry for more? Isn't that awesome? That's just a question, right? Listen, are you hungry for more? And the question is yes. Of course we are. The question is yes. We're hungry for more. It says in, in, in the other translations, it says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy grain and eat. And that's, that's the invitation. It's almost like what Bartimaeus saw there, right? He's like, he's thirsty, he's hungry, he's desperate. And there's this invitation that says, just come. Come to the waters, the living waters. Come to the word. Come to the spirit. Come to the, 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 the river of life. And just drink, be satisfied in this place. And again, it's got nothing to do with our works. It, there is nothing that we can do to make this happen except surrender. Nothing that we have is going to produce anything except the mercy of God and our continuous trust that His mercy is enough, that His mercy, that the mercifulness of God will, will produce an outflow out of his heart that's going to shift the season. Um, and, and it goes on and it says, 
Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And it says, simply accept it as a gift from God. And that's what Bartimaeus was doing. He's sitting next to the road. He's broken. He's, he's blind. He's all life, you know. And in those days, if you're blind, they, they always thought it was a sin issue in your life. So you're, you're an outcast in society. And he's just sitting next to the road, just crying out for what? For mercy. He's, he's trying to accept the gift of God without having to do anything about it. I've been telling, um, I've been telling my, our people in the villages, you know, they, they like their sacrifices. And so do we, by the way. We actually also still think sacrifice and offering is what he wants, but it's not. You know, we might not be slaughtering goats and things, but we, we still bring these works before the Lord, um, you know, kind of in that old mindset sometimes. And I've been telling them for a long time, I said, you know, in the Old Testament, um, we made the sacrifice, and we hope that it's a pleasing aroma unto the Lord. Am I right? So you, you, you did something and you brought your, your, your grain offering or your peace offering or your sin offering. You brought it, you sacrificed it, and you hoped that, that God would accept it. But the new covenant, everything is different. In the new covenant, the Father made the sacrifice, and he hopes that we'll accept the gift. <laughs> Isn't that a change? You know, old covenant, we come and we... We do the work and we say, please accept it. New covenant, the Father sacrifices the perfect lamb and he says, would you accept the gift? <laughs> would you just accept the gift? Stop working. Accept the gift. Surrender to the mercy that I've produced. And this is what it's talking about. It's say, come to the waters. Come to that place and just receive the mercy of God. Receive the grace of God. And that's what Bartimaeus was crying out for. He realized that nothing in him, no amount of works, can produce what is necessary to get the breakthrough. It must be receiving the gift. It must be the mercy of God that produces something in us that nothing else can. It must be His mercy over a people, over a nation, over our own lives, where we don't deserve it because we don't. None of us deserves it. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve um, anything from His mercy. Everything we have is the grace of God. Bible, outpouring, greater works, whatever you want to call it, it's included in that. Then it goes on in chapter 55 of Isaiah, it says, Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your earnings for what does not satisfy? And again, he's addressing this thing of, of us bringing our little thing to the table constantly, going, God, we want to give you something, and he's going, just accept my offering, accept my sacrifice, and just receive Jesus fully, Run with it and sit next to that road and just cry out for mercy. We don't, it's not, we, unless you have answers, that's great, but if you don't, just mercy is the call. Mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us in the season. Have mercy on us in whatever we're going through. Have, have mercy on us and touch a nation. Have mercy on us and give us a new heart. All of it, all the promises of the Old Testament find their yes in Jesus to which we say our amen. That's what Second Corinthians uh, 1. Verse 19 and 20, right? Every promise, the new heart, the mercy of God, the, 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 you know, the glory that's rising and shining upon us, all of those things in Jesus finds their yes, to which we give our amen, and the amen is a surrender. Amen is just us going, have mercy, let your mercy do this, because we don't know how to do it otherwise. It says, listen, and your earnings for that which does not satisfy, like, we keep grinding this thing out, 
and we don't know. And maybe all we should do as the church is just go, what does mercy look like? You know, what does mercy from heaven look like, look, look like in our context right now? And if I want to be one that is part of the outflow of your mercy on the earth, where do I need to be? What do I need to do? How do I position myself for other people around me? What does it look like to be God's expression of mercy through me? That's also the question we need to ask. What, like, there's people crying out for mercy that don't even know what they're crying out for, but they're crying out for something, and we might be the flow of His mercy into their lives. So how do I position myself in this season so that I can be the channel of mercy, knowing that everything is from mercy in any way? That I, that I become that funnel um, that God can flow through uh, to touch the world around me. Because many things that we're doing, it's not satisfying us. And I want to challenge you and I want to challenge myself in, in this area, is where are we still grinding into things that doesn't satisfy, that still leaves us discontent uh, in this season? You know, things that we're doing because it worked in a certain season, and we are in a new season. We've been transitioning into one for a long time, and it's not just about COVID. It's not about that. Uh, I think COVID became the thing through which we view um, our world through, which which place certain things under the, the microscope lens, if I can put it like that, things that we missed in the past, and we go, okay, well, we need to ask some good questions here. Um, you know, what is the strength of, of believers in South Africa? That's a good question. How strong is the church in South Africa really? You know, if you look at that, like if we're dead honest, how strong are we? Um, you know, how strong, uh, how strong are we? What is the numbers really, if you want to be honest? You know, they say South Africa is an 80% Christian nation, which is an absolute lie. Absolute lie. That isn't close to true. The fact is that 80% of South Africa visits witch doctors and Sangomas. That's a fact. Uh, we're not 80% Christian. Those people that say they're Christian are the same ones that still go to the Sangoma. So how strong is the church in South Africa really? You know, how, how strong are we? And if, if we are not that strong, then why are we keep doing the same thing? Uh, why are we keep purchasing things and spending our energy on things which does not satisfy? Where the Lord says, come to the water and drink and be satisfied. Where the cry is, have mercy on us, Lord, so that we can see, because we're navigating something for the future of a, of a nation, and we might not fully understand what that looks like right now, unless we get mercy. And the problem is works continuously keeps us busy and keeps us out of the mercy of God. Right? For Bartimaeus to try to be healed, he probably would have missed his encounter with Jesus next to that road. If we're going through the process of just working this thing instead of sitting at the river of life and just let mercy fill us so that we can see. And that doesn't mean we should do nothing. That's not what I'm saying. Calm down. I'm just saying, I'm just saying we need to position ourselves different in this season and go, Lord, what, what do we do? How are we salt and light in this season? What is that going to look like? And Lord, feed me new wine, feed me grain, feed me um, you know, feed me bread, all of those things. I want to come and purchase that from you in the season like never before. We need it like never before. Then it goes on in, in, in Isaiah 52. Are you guys okay? All right. 
it's very quiet in my house. I'm nervous. My children are gone. My wife is out. She's very ministering elsewhere. So, uh, I get nervous. It's super quiet. <laughs> so, um, then it goes on in, in Isaiah 52 and it says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in abundance. Another translation says, listen so that your soul may live. Isn't that powerful? Listen so that your soul may live. And we need to listen. We need to, we absolutely need to hear from heaven. What is he saying? What is it that we need to do? Listen so that your soul may live. I want to tell you, if, if you're feeling like spiritually in a strange place where it's not as alive as it's always been, start listening again, right? Listen, slow down and listen. We need the shepherd's voice like never before. Because what happened to Bartimaeus? He heard. He heard that Jesus was passing by. He heard the sound of Jesus walking by and suddenly he started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, right? And that's where we're supposed to be. It's listening for the movements of our king, listening for the movements of our Lord so that your soul may live. Right, something comes alive in that moment where he speaks. Something comes alive when we're in that place where, where something shifts again when his voice starts driving into us the truth and the reality. Even if it's not about what to do, but just the, the sound of the shepherd's voice brings calm and it brings comfort and it reminds us that he's alive and it reminds us that this relationship is alive and it reminds us that we are not alone. Listening is important. It's important. And when we're working all the time, we're not going to listen. We're too busy. When we're busy with works, busy with sacrifices that he doesn't want. That's the thing. There's, there's, there's things we did in the past that he wanted that he doesn't want anymore. Uh, there, he's looking for something else from us. He's looking for, for a different place in our hearts, uh, a different level of surrender that we haven't done before, um, a different level of submission to the mercy of God that we haven't done before. And unless we're going to be able to listen... We're not going to find it. We have to listen so that our souls may live. It's so important that our ears open like never before. We, we have to hear. We have to see. We have to be in that place. And then it goes on and it says, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear so that your soul may live. There it is. And now listen to this part. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Right? Covenant is important. Covenant is what we need. Covenant is the reminder of what we're in. We're in a covenant with Him. We are co-laborers with Christ. We are partners in the same thing. He covenanted with us on the cross. He covenanted with us by shedding His blood. He covenanted with us, making us part of a family. It's an unbroken, eternal covenant written by the blood of Jesus in eternity that will not break. That covenant stands forever over your life. Uh, over us, over the church. It's never going to change. And and society is trying to rip this covenant thing away from us. You know, it, it fascinates me. Um, I love the rainbow, so I really want it back. You know, all this gay pride stuff. It's our rainbow, right? <laughs> because it's about covenant. It's about covenant. It's about a godly covenant, a promise that was made that never again, never again will the earth be flooded with sin in the way it was then. Never again will that happen. It's a covenant with God that says, listen, I've covenanted with you 
uh, that day with Noah. I've covenanted with you through Abram. I've covenanted with you on the cross and with the blood of Jesus. And you will make this covenant. But it's all about running to the water and being reminded of what it means. And then he goes on and it says, I'm going to make this everlasting covenant with you according to what? The faithful mercies shown to David. It's again, the covenant is based on mercy. On nothing else. It's all about the mercy of God in this season. It's the cry of God to say, God, redeem a nation, redeem me, redeem my circumstances, knowing that I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But he made the covenant, he made the sacrifice, and he's saying, will you accept the gift by faith? That's what he's saying. And it's not about a works mentality, but it's about resting in that everlasting covenant, knowing that it's the mercy of God that has to touch us, that has to open our eyes to give us the keys so that we can see. Um, so are we hungry for more? The answer is yes. Then step into the covenant, step into that river, start drinking from the river, let go of the things that's exhausting us, that's that's stealing from us in this season, and, and try and navigate through it so that we can become a tree of life wherever we're at. Back to Bartimaeus. Right, so he keeps on crying, and then Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, telling him, take courage, get up, he's calling for you. Isn't that awesome? Right, he's calling for all of us. Whether you're in hospital with COVID, whether you're isolating, whether financially you're struggling, whether you're prospering, whether your marriage is great, whether it's horrible, it doesn't really matter. He's still calling. He, he stopped and he's calling you and he's saying, take courage. Isn't that awesome? Why? Because he spoke. Listen so that your soul may live. It's phenomenal how the minute they call him, the same guys that try to shut him up, they look at Bartimaeus and they go, take courage, he's calling you, right? And he's calling us. There's the call from God in our lives. There's the upward call, the higher call of Christ that, that is constantly luring us into something deeper, something more profound, something greater within, so that we can become stronger uh, in him, displaying him better wherever we go. So he is calling. I don't care where you are, what you're feeling, but the minute that he died on the cross, the minute that he said it is finished and he got risen from the dead and he ascended, that was the cry. That was the call that constantly says, come up here, come up here, come up here. I have something more for you. All right? Verse 15. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up and came to Jesus. About uh, three, four weeks ago, I heard the Lord say, I said to Marie, such an interesting moment. I just sat with him one morning and just praying. And the next minute I heard God say, I need you to throw off your crown. And I'm going, you know, that was it. It's like this little one-liner. And he kept saying it to me over and over and over again. And, you know, I understand what a crown is. It's it's his reward on our lives. Um, it's like his authority that he places on us. And I felt him so clearly say to me, I need you to throw it off. And um, and so for the last three weeks, I've been trying to do it. I don't exactly know what that looks like, but I'm, I'm trying to work on it. And it's exactly what happened to Bartimaeus. When I read the story, it just touched me again, because what is the first thing Bartimaeus does? He jumps up and he throws off his cloak, and he runs to Jesus. And the cloak was always a sign. It's a mantle. It's 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 a It was a sign of who you are in those days, and... And that cloak of Bartimaeus could mean many things, but, but to him it could have been a beggar's cloak, because the beggars had a certain dress code that they kind of had. 
And the first thing that he, that he did when he heard the voice and his soul started to live, he threw the cloak off and he started running to Jesus, still blind, right? And I want to challenge you in this season maybe is just to say, you know, when, when, when God, he said it to me, but maybe he's saying it to some of you as well. When, when he challenges us to remove whatever he's rewarded us with, um, that's interesting. But the only thing that it means is upgrade. That's what it means. It, it, it's always pruning. Pruning is always for growth. It's not for punishment. Pruning is for advancement in the kingdom. And for Bartimaeus to cast off that cloak, it meant he took on a new mantle, a new identity, a new anointing, a new authority, however you want to see it. And, and, it's amazing because he's still blind, but he's responding to the call. So, I mean, he's still blind, but he throws off his mantle and he starts running to Jesus. And there's always this transition space where we remove something, but the breakthrough is not there yet. So we're running towards the solution, but we don't have it yet. And that's a very fragile place to be in. And that's the place where we need to just remember that we heard. We heard the call. Uh, we heard Jesus responding. We heard him walk by. And we know that he's calling us. So take courage. Take courage. He's calling us. He's calling us to something bigger. He's calling us to reward us with something greater. There's a bigger crown, a greater mantle, uh, a next level of authority that's coming upon us. And, and, and we're going to get inside in a minute. It's going to come in a minute. Right? It will come. Any minute now, we're going to see. And we're going to go, oh, I didn't get it. But the mercy of God is what's going to do it. The covenant of the Lord is what keeps us protected and safe in this transition between casting off the old crown or the old mantle, still blind, but I'm running towards the breakthrough. But I don't know what that looks like because, you know, when you're blind, five meters is pretty daunting to do. When you're blind, one meter is pretty daunting to do if you don't know what's in front of you. And yet he just does it. He, he leaps up and he, and he goes forward. And I want to encourage you, cast things off. You know, it's like, it's Mark 11 verse 8 is where the triumphal entry, where Jesus comes in. And I love that story because what did the people do? They cast their mantles before the Lord. Right? But they cast off everything. Joseph's, uh, you know, beautiful coat that his father gave him. What a phenomenal coat. What a beautiful thing. And it was... It was a recognition by, by, by the earth, by, by earthly family about something that was to come in his life. But, but that mantle was also the reason for a lot of premature things in his life. And a lot of things went wrong because of that cloak. And he had to lose that cloak before he could take on the crown that God had prepared for him, being the second in charge of Egypt. And I feel like the Lord is challenging us in this season to throw some stuff off, to cast off some mantles. Uh, I'm still figuring it out, so maybe by the time that I see you in person, we, you know, we, we can share on exactly what, what that looks like. But I think prophetically God will help. And we have to realize that we're stepping into a different season that requires different authority, different anointing than what we had before. The old wasn't bad. That's not the point. It's never bad. We need the old and the new, right? Um, but, but it's a season where we're shifting into something where there's a new 
anointing that needs to come upon the church. And I, I'm getting glimpses of it, and once I'm there, I'll, I'll share if I know that's it. But there's something that's going to that's gonna change, and sometimes the old crown withholds the new one. Does it make sense? Sometimes the old mantle, you know, Joseph's mantle was awesome, it was beautiful. His father, his earthly father, sure, and his father's there as well, but his earthly father recognized something in him that his heavenly father proclaimed. But earthly fathers, sometimes if we don't watch out, we're going to be premature in a season. And although it's a prophetic picture of something to come, there's process. And like Bartimaeus, there's the moment where the old cloak is off and we're still blind, but we're running as fast as we can because we heard a voice. And we're listening and our soul is coming alive and something is jumping up on the inside because the mercy of God is drawing us into a place in, in the heart of the Father that we've never been. And the, the shift that I feel is is exactly this. It's towards family. Um, I didn't plan this part, so I'm just going to run with it because it's Father's Day. Is that okay? But I was preaching in Calidon uh, last weekend, and on the Sunday morning I didn't plan it at all. I just started talking, and, and the next minute I ended up in Psalm 127, and I'm not going to go through all of it, but it says if the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, you know, we, we're building in vain. You know, that whole thing of the watchman standing and guarding over your things. And, and it's similar to Isaiah 55. So it's all about building something for God, a house, which is us, which is also the church, which is your business, whatever. You're building a kingdom thing for the Lord. And he says unless the Lord build, builds it, it's in vain. But then from verse 4, the whole chapter switches to family. Isn't that interesting? So we're talking about building the house, building the kingdom, we're building in vain, and then the next minute it says, but children are a blessing from the Lord. And it's like arrows in the quiver of a man, and it will bring you honor. And here's the point. I believe with all my heart that God is pouring out the Father's heart on our nation. And we're going to see fathers rise up, whether you're 40, 60, 80, or 20, it doesn't matter. But something about family needs to shift in the kingdom. Once-off encounters is not enough. It's not enough. It's not going to save a nation. But families that open up, spiritual families that opens up and says, I'm going to take, I'm going to take you in and it's going to cost me because that's what children do, right? They are a blessing, but it's costly. Yet they are arrows in the quiver. Right? Uh, what will you do for your child? Anything. Okay? So what are you going to do for the beggar spiritual child next to the road that God says, I need you to help him? So that once our food parcel was awesome, it was. Praying for him was awesome and he got healed. It was amazing. But now he's saying, Father then. You know? What, what does that look like? And if you've had an orphan or two in your house, uh, or a, or a cause or two in your house like I've had over the years, you know that, that sometimes they come in through one encounter that changes their lives forever. And then you pour into them and a year later they leave you. And it's painful. And everything inside of you wants to go, I don't want to do that again. 
but yet that is the Father's heart on Father's Day, right? That is the heart of the Father is to say, do it again. Do it for the next one. And doesn't matter how painful it is, you open your house and you open the doors and when that prodigal comes back, you have a ring and a robe ready for him and a hot meal. And can they do it again? Yes. Will they? Probably. But there might be one that sticks. Or two. Or three in the end. The shift is the heart of family like never before. And I know as churches, I know both of your churches, so I know you are, we are doing amazing at that. We're doing really well at that. We're family. But we cannot have an attitude of us four and no more anymore. The, the wall, the, the doors must open and the family I'm talking about is probably not going to happen inside of those four walls. It's going to happen outside of those walls. When we take people who are different than us, that doesn't talk like us, doesn't think like us, and we start fathering them, uh, we start mothering them, we start loving them into a community, and we be parents and not bosses to them. Parents and not lords over them. It's a big difference. Because that, that changes you, that, that gives us a perspective that, that we don't have. I think it's Bill Johnson's father who, who famously said that unless you wash somebody's feet, you will never understand why they walk the way they walk. You know? A father understands exactly why their child are walking the way they're walking. And a boss doesn't. Yeah. Because a boss wants to tell you what to do and don't understand why you're thinking the way you're thinking. But a father looks at you, guides you in what you need to do because he understands why you're thinking the way you're thinking. You see, family is what builds the house, according to Psalm 127. Having children, that is what makes us powerful. Spiritual children that becomes arrows that we can launch into nations, into places, into the hearts of people, into brokenness. You see, and that I believe that's the shift that God is producing is the cloak of a father. It's the father's heart that is being placed into the church. It's a spirit of adoption. And there's nothing to do with just orphans and bringing kids into your house. And that's obviously important. But I'm really talking about spiritual children. About moving in that place where we take the risk and you pour into them and you hope that it works. And if it doesn't, then you take the next one. Because that, that's what family does. We don't give up. And when they come back, we open the doors again. One of mine um, is coming back now after five years. He's coming back now. One of mine and Maurice, at the end of the month, we're going to see him again. His heart is changing. He's turning back after just, you know, in a season where we had nothing, no money, no nothing. We took him in and... uh it hurt, but he's coming back. And and that's what happens. And I, I feel like this is what God is talking to me about, is that we, we've got to become fathers and mothers in our nation beyond the four walls of the church. And it's going to be painful. It's going to be challenging. It's, it's going to cost us. But, but that mercy and grace of God is going to push us through. It's the mercy of God that's going to allow us to do this thing. 
One-self encounters is not going to do it. We have to go deeper. We have to be willing to walk this thing out with people. And if that means smaller, then that's what it means. Uh, but smaller, you know, is only small if you look at numbers, but smaller is massive when you look at depth and weight and what one person can impact, you know, later on. So I feel like that's the, the cry of God in this season is the coat. It's, it's, it's a father's coat, a father's crown that needs to come upon us so that we can really move into this thing. And then we know the story, how it ends, where Jesus looks at him and he says, what do you want from me? And he says, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And God says, well, you know, Jesus says, well, your faith has done this. Isn't it amazing that, that his faith in mercy did it? Not his faith in uh, anything else, no resource, no nothing. You know, we can't buy the breakthrough. We can't buy the anointing. We can't, we, we, we can do nothing. We can't work for it. All we can do is we can push on mercy. We can push on grace. That's all it is. And in that mercy and grace, he comes and he sustains our heart. And he changes something inside of us and gives us a capacity that's beyond what we ever thought, where we become a father, where we become a house where we become somebody that raises up arrows in that quiver so that we can launch them. And um, and suddenly it says that, that Bartimaeus obviously immediately saw, he left everything behind and he walked behind Jesus on the road. And that's it. We're going to see soon, right? We're going to get the breakthrough soon. Um, uh, another thing, I don't want to go on too long, but I want to end with this, is that for two years... Um, it's almost, I would say it happens three, four times a week. It's still happening to me. That whenever I look on my watch, it will be 11, 11, 11 past 11. It's like, a, you know, it's driving me crazy. And I know prophetic people drives most people crazy because we see something and everything. But if something's been going on for two years, I'm sure it needs to, <laughs> you know, it needs to get your attention. So it's been getting my attention for a while. And there's lots of scriptures connected to that, lots of things connected to that. But the one that I'm feeling strong in this season with 11.11 is is John 11.11. And this is what it says. He said this, and after that said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him. And um, I feel like there's an awakening coming. There is an awakening coming where where Jesus is, is looking for those that's crying out for mercy. And he's, he's about ready to come and wake a couple of us up out of our sleep. Uh, he's about ready to remove the darkness so that we can see it's coming. Um, there's a lot around 11.11. I'm not going to share all of it now, but I want to encourage you. I want to say that I, I feel it's, it's a season of great tension almost in a certain sense. Because on the one hand, we, we're navigating through stuff that's, that's challenging. On the other hand, we, we feel him asking things that's a little bit, excuse me, asking things that's a little bit challenging, but, but the promise is massively rich. There's richness in, in what he wants to do. And I know he wants to awaken us, uh, into something greater. The other 11.11 is Revelation 11.11, where it speaks about the two witnesses. And it says, but after three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them. And they stood on their feet, and great fear and panic fell on those who were watching them. 
<laughs> the point is, I believe God is going to breathe on his church. There is an awakening coming that Jesus is going to bring. It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit and by his mercy it's going to take place. And we need to just position ourselves in a place where we just keep crying like Bartimaeus, have mercy. Just, son of David, have mercy on us because we need to see change. Uh, why do I feel the way I feel about it? I'm sorry if I look emotional. I, I think, like I said to the Lord a while back, the problem is I keep seeing the condition of the hearts of people. I keep seeing what's happening in our nation. And for me, there's an intensity about things need to change quickly uh, because we need mercy. I'm not a negative person. You all know me. I've prophesied over South Africa over and over again. I'm, I'm, I believe the words. I've, I know it's going to come to pass uh, because the Lord spoke. Uh, but I do realize we need to shift into something that we haven't done before. We need to change. There's a, there's a responsibility on us as well, but it's unachievable without his touch and without his mercy and without his breath of life coming into us and without him awakening us because we do not deserve it as a nation. We don't deserve grace as a nation, yet because of the sacrifice of the Lamb, we do. So I want to I wanna pray for you guys. Sure, is that okay? Can I pray for us? I went a long time, so apologies for that. So I want to I wanna just pray for us in this area. Um Paul moet ook maar inspring as jylle iets wil doen of wil bijdra of iets wil sê hier. But I want to pray for us just regarding this message. I wish I could see all of you. I can't. I can see KF24 a little bit and the rest of you not that much. Um, but is this speaking to anybody or is it just me? <laughs> all right. If it's kind of speaking to you, then then I want you to stand, if you can, if you're on Zoom, then, then you can just sit, because otherwise I'm going to see your pajama pants. I don't want to do that. So, so, so but if it's speaking to you, I, I want you to stand, and we're just going to pray. And what I want us to do is, as loud as you can with me, I'm going to pray, but then I want us to start just crying out, just say mercy, because that's what we need. We need the mercy of God. So, Lord, we just come right now, and, Lord, we, we want to come to that river we want to run to that river and just say, we need more, we need more, we need more, we need more, Lord. We don't want to labor for things that, that's in vain. We don't, want to, we don't want to sit in this place and keep doing what's not working. We don't want to try and build something that you're not building, Lord. But I pray that our hearts will change. Would you open our eyes, God? Would you allow us to see where we need to go, Lord. That problem that's been in front of us for ages, but we don't get breakthrough, Lord. We, we need to start seeing, God. We can't do this another 10 years, another 20 years, Lord. We need your intervention. And, Lord, your mercy is about your compassion. It's about your love for us, your willingness to help a people that doesn't deserve it. So, Lord, we I want to cry out the loudest of all of us and just say, I don't deserve it, God. We don't deserve your power, we don't, none of it, God, but we're crying out for your mercy like never before, Lord. Like Bartimaeus, I just want to cry out, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on us as a nation, Lord. Have mercy on us in this season and in this time. Just touch us, open our eyes, Lord. Lord, we remove the crowns, we remove the cloaks, we remove 
what we what brought us here and what's given us some position or whatever we think it might be. And we just say, Lord, we don't have the answer. And unless your mercy does it, we're not going to move forward. Lord, we want to stand on the covenant of mercy like never before and just say, Lord, come. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. When everything is pushing, we want to cry louder and just say, we, we recognize you. We need you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, I pray right now. I pray for mercy over sickness, God. So if you're sick, if you have family that's struggling with COVID, we've had results in that. We, we, he, he's still moving. He's still touching people despite what we are feeling. Uh, we're still seeing amazing miracles in the villages. We're still seeing God move. God's moving in dreams. And when people get healed in their dreams, we, it's a phenomenal. So it's not like he's not moving. He's moving. And I want to pray for you if, if you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your marriage. Listen, if your family, we'll get to that now. So let's just start with the finances, with the, with, with, with the physical healing. So Lord, Lord, I ask again, Lord, let your mercy come. Have mercy on us, Lord, those with COVID, God, those with any form of disease or sickness, Lord. We speak mercy, mercy, mercy in the name of Jesus. Mercy in the name of Jesus. Father, restoration from your presence. May healing flow from your presence right now. Over broken bodies listening, over broken bodies of family members, Lord. Let healing flow in the name of Jesus. Lord, I bind fear in the name of Jesus. I rebuke anxiety in the name of Jesus. We ask mercy right now in Jesus' name on every person. Let lungs open up in the name of Jesus. Let lungs open up in Jesus' name. Lord, let this third wave, we come against the rise of this thing in the name of Jesus. And we ask for mercy, God. Mercy in this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Healing of cancer, God. Healing of arthritis, Lord. Healing of osteoporosis, Lord. Heart conditions. We speak into that. And we pray for mercy, God. Mercy in the name of Jesus. I feel that like some of you in the area of healing specifically, like we've worked so hard to attain our healing. And I'm not, please, you know me, I'm not saying stop your medicine. That's not what I'm talking about. But we've labored so hard to get to the solution. And and it's not coming. And I want to challenge you for a minute to just let go of the labor that does not satisfy let go of, of fighting this thing in a way and, and you know it's not changing unless mercy comes. And that surrender is what we need. So that's you. I just, just for a minute, just surrender. Just surrender. Just say, Lord, the doctors are not fixing this. This thing is not getting better unless mercy comes. Right? And I know that's a hard thing, but, but, we, we, we're laboring for something, we're guarding something that unless he's doing it, we're wasting our time. He must be the one doing it. So Lord, I want to pray for people again and I want to pray that they'll, that as we let go, as we let go of our works in this area, Lord, we, we, we cry out for mercy again to just touch us. Let your mercy come and heal our bodies, Lord. Let your mercy just come and open our lungs. 
Let your mercy restore our hearts. We receive the gift, God. We receive the sacrifice by surrender. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. I want to pray for people in work-related stuff, marriage, family-related stuff, where again, sometimes with the best of intentions, we're laboring so hard at this thing, and what we need to do is surrender. It's, it's His mercy. The, his mercy must build the house. His mercy must restore it. We obviously, and what we need to do is listen so that our souls may live. We need to hear what he's saying and respond to only that. And if he says, back off, then we back off. If he says, stop building in this area of business, then we stop building in that area. Whatever he asks of us in this season, that's where the life is. And we need to surrender and let his mercy just wash over us. Right? So I want to pray for you in the area of business, uh, family stuff, relational stuff. And I want to pray for mercy on that as well. But surrender. Okay, we have to surrender. It's hard, I know. But we have to surrender because we want to fix it so badly. We want to see it happen so badly. He he wants to see it even more, right? Remember that person you are contending for? He paid a price that none of us paid for them. He He's grieving over that person, over that prodigal. <laughs> He's grieving over him. And let let his grief bring the result. So Lord, we we bring people before you, people groups, family members, business situations, and Lord, we surrender, we surrender them into your hand. And Lord, we cry out, have mercy, have mercy on them, have mercy on us, have mercy on South Africa, have mercy on the lost, have mercy on the prodigals, Lord, have mercy on our family, have mercy on circumstances that we just cannot seem to change, and we're crying out that your mercy will come, Lord. We surrender them, Lord, I pray that they will hear when you walk by. Lord, I pray that our family, our friends, our nation, the the, the lost, that, that their ears will open, And they will hear when Jesus walks by. That they will be like Bartimaeus. Although they're blind, although they cannot see, that they'll recognize salvation is at the door. That they'll recognize salvation has come. And that their souls will live because they will listen to your voice, Lord. Your voice, God. So, Lord, have mercy on South Africa. Have mercy on our nation. Have mercy on our families, God. In Jesus' name, come, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And then the last thing I want to pray, I'm sorry, is I want to pray for this heart, this family thing. So if you're with your family, pull them together. Uh, if you're not allowed to touch each other there in the church, I don't know what church policy is. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. But let's pull each other together. And I want to tell you, I'll talk about this some more, but this is going to be costly. This is going to be costly. But this is the key. It's a key to a nation's heart. And some of you are already doing it, and you're doing phenomenal, but he's going to ask you to do more. 
He's going to ask us to open the hearts wider, to open the doors more, to to not not be a boss, but to be a father and a mother, to serve them well. So, Father, I'm praying it for me. I'm praying it for all of us on Father's Day. Lord, release the Father's heart over us, Lord. Release the Father's heart to your church. Lord, I pray that the spirit of adoption will be loud in our lives unlike ever before, Lord. That we will bring in the lost, that we will bring in the broken, that we'll bring them into our lives, that we'll make ourselves vulnerable. God, restore the heart of family. Malachi 4 said that uh, and the, and the spirit, and, and he, they will be one in the spirit of Elijah, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons, and the heart of the daughters back to the mothers. Lord, you always knew that power and community is the key. Power and community. And Lord, I pray, give us a heartful community. Give us a heartful community. Give us our arrows. Lord, let our quivers be full. Let our quivers be full, God. Lord, I want arrows that I can launch into nations, Lord. We want arrows that we can launch into the darkest places. We want arrows that we can launch into the neighbor's house that's broken, Lord. Give us arrows, plenty of them, God, and show us how to raise them up. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.